Katie. How's it going? Um, just dandy. I'm, you know, currently here and very soon going to catch up on the Women Tell All because that is happening right now as we're recording. So, but I don't mind because I, then I get to like skip through the commercials. So it's actually pretty good. Pretty good deal. I won't watch it until tomorrow if I even watch it. I, I had to fast I, forward. I had to fast forward. Literally the worst the episode of episode. every season. Well, oh, I'm not you just didn't talking want- about that. I'm just like hitting my bachelor threshold. Mm-hmm. I think like mm-hmm. the amount of bullshit that I can take. Yeah. It does um, feel like there's something new every day that's going wrong. So <laughs> yeah, I understand. I know, right? Um. Oh, speaking of The Bachelor, for those of you that watch the show, a former contestant who's like, and I, I, I really like her. I follow her on social mm-hmm. media. You know, she's been speaking out a lot about the racism in the Bachelor franchise. Um, I guess like some old tweets of hers resurfaced. Yeah, and... that were like pretty terrible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like across to a lot the of board groups. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I think she's done a couple of apologies now. And I think the apology that she released today definitely addressed a lot yeah. of the issues that people had. And I think there's like two sides of the coin. It's like on one side, like people like Chris Harrison, for example, was asking for grace for mm-hmm. Rachel. So I do think that like, and, and she also said that she left those tweets public because they're part of her, like, journey, which I understand, but I think it would have been better if she had released them herself, saying, like, yeah. this is where I was, I'm here now, like, you can change too. And I think it would have been, you know, more... You know, just being upfront about it, right? Yes, I agree. Um, we're talking about Taylor Nolan, by the way, because also um, Rachel Lindsay deleted her Instagram account because so many people were in her DMs and commenting on her post saying like really, really hateful, hurtful things um, when she was just doing her job. So like that's also not great and uh, definitely just really unfortunate for her because she's doing good work but yeah Taylor it seems like you know she's coming from a sincere place and you know with um like Hannah Brown got in some hot water a while back because she like basically said the n-word on an Instagram story and then apologized and said she was going to like you know learn from it and do the work and then she didn't and I think that's very different uh when you're just saying things and than not following it up with actions and Taylor has already been you know doing the work and doing the actions and it seems like that will continue um also I'm not really like I'm not really part of the groups that she was saying really hurtful things about so my perspective is obviously different from people who were hurt by what she said so I don't want to like speak on their behalf but yeah I'm opt I guess I'll say like I'm optimistic about this apology versus other Bachelor Nation apologies that we've seen in the past. I would agree. I definitely agree. Uh, I hope that our listeners uh, (laughs) watch The Bachelor because we've really started to do like a Bachelor corner every episode. And if they're not into it, well, I hope you like the updates. (laughs) Well, I blame all of my closest friends that love The Bachelor. Oh, yeah. For... Uh, pulling me in (laughs) it truly it it, there is something like I don't think anyone just starts watching it on their own without any prompting it feels like it's very much a persuasive thing from from friends so I get that definitely speaking of television um I didn't Mm -hmm. watch the whole episode but I watched some clips from the SNL with uh, on Saturday, I think it was with uh, Nick Jonas as the Nick host Jonas. and musical guest. I'm sorry, what? Oh my <laughs> gosh, I was so thrilled. And okay, did you watch his mo- his opening uh, monologue? No. Oh my God. 
his brother Kevin the oldest one he was in it he was like there supporting because he lives in New Jersey with his family and then later because you know someone always introduce usually the host introduces the musical guests for each of their performances um but Nick Jonas can't introduce himself uh so Kevin introduced him oh that's really cute that's so cute I'm a huge Jonas Brothers fan if people didn't no I've met them I have their autograph I am in love with them wow I had no idea. I mean okay. oh did you not yeah truly no. it took up a We're... big chunk of my uh like high school years yeah I've been no. to three or four concerts mm-hmm. nice <laughs> do I seem impressed Anyways. No, Aurelia clearly like could not care less about this. But if anyone else listening is a big Joe Bros fan, like hit me up. We can chat about it. I uh, at one point like my one of my friends and I wrote out a whole list of 100 reasons why we we love them. Wow, I would love to read that sometime. Anyways, I brought it up because I wanted to talk about <laughs> the. The skit, the um, the murder show skit. Oh my god! I thought I that was like hilarious, mm-hmm. mostly because it me, you know. I like, know it's <laughs> so true. <laughs> but the best part, and like it's an SNL skit, so I don't care if I spoil it. That yeah, uh, the best part was at the end when Nick Jonas was like, "Yeah, but have shows. you heard about cult shows?" And then he dressed up as Keith Raniere and. <laughs> Yes, and that just made me love him so much more. I was like, I you're such a weirdo. But it's at one point, Chloe Feynman, uh, who I lo- I feel like Chloe Feynman and Ego Nuotum are really just like killing it this season, and I'm here for it, and I love them. Anyway, uh, there's one point where she's like doing laundry, and the like she's sitting on the floor doing laundry, and then the murder doc is up on the screen, and I was like, that is literally what I do. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> um, so I'm halfway really... through Night Soccer. I need to get back. I need to redo it. But I wasn't, like, paying attention enough. So I have to re- rewatch it. Um, Speaking of Chloe Feynman, I'm not sure if we talked about this, but her Britney Spears skit was just, like, so good. With 80 yes. as Ted Cruz. Yes. I, like, died. I love 80 as Ted Cruz. Um, Like, she, yeah, it makes she my looks so much like him in her like hair and makeup like (laughs) yeah snl hair and makeup is really like top tier i and i also really like that they've been having the female comedians like do the men i yeah i think that's like a really cool choice and a nice way to showcase like their range and stuff because i feel like Mm -hmm. more often than not like men being women is like a joke you know yeah so to kind mm-hmm. of flip it turn the tables is, yeah I like that yeah I will say um, SNL does still uh occasionally rely on some like jokes that are pretty homophobic uh yeah <laughs> especially on like weekend update that's not great and we obviously don't support that but the rest of the show that's not homophobic big thumbs up <laughs> exactly um Oh, I watched a movie this weekend. I watched um, mm-hmm. What We Do in the Shadows, and it has... I can't believe you haven't <laughs> seen this already. It's like a, it's like a cult classic for comedy people. It's so funny. Did you... Did you... You didn't like it. I could... You did like it. No, I did like it. Okay, okay. I really liked it. I thought it was hilarious. Stu mm-hmm. is like... I love him. <laughs> The werewolf? Well, he gets turned that... into a werewolf. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Oops, spoilers. He's like um, the friend it's... of the guy. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, I know. It's been a while since I've seen the movie because I've been watching the show. But the movie, it's um, Taika Waititi, who I love, is like my favorite director of all time. If you haven't seen, um, have you seen The Hunt for the Wilder People? It's on Netflix. No. Oh my gosh, Aurelia, you have to watch it. It is so good. It's very different vibe from, it's not like really a comedy, but it's going to melt your heart and it's all in New Zealand and they have like cute little New Zealand accents. It's so 
precious and good. So Hunt for the Wilder People on Netflix. Definitely <laughs> okay. watch it. I will watch it. Um, and have you seen Flight of the Concords? Yeah, of course. Okay, so it's the same. Jermaine Dupri, Dupri Jermaine I think his name is. Oh, Clements. Clements. Jermaine Dupri is someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. And then um, the other guy who plays the leader of the werewolves in the movie. Oh, yeah. He's in, like, a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was actually in the Jumanji that I watched that we were talking about last. And so was Nick Jonas. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Continuity. (laughs) Is he in the first Jumanji, too? I think so, yeah. He plays, like, the host of the game. Like, when they show up and he explains the rules. Yeah. Totally. I think that's what I, like, recognize him from. Um, you watched a movie this weekend too, right? Oh yeah, we watched Nomadland because we were like prepping for the Globes, and there were a few that we hadn't seen yet, so we watched that one. Um, it's good. So the direct it won Best Drama, uh, for the Golden Globes, and the director won Best Director, Chloe Zhao. So great for that. Um, she's the first Asian woman to ever win for Best Director, so that's exciting, obviously. And I do think that. It was well directed. It has a very, it's uh, got a very like documentary vibe to it, but it's not a documentary. But I think to make it look that way must involve some like really good direction of some kind. It's good. It's worth watching. Um, it could be like 20 minutes shorter. But okay, it's, sure. it also has, because um, she's like Frances McDormand, the main actress who plays the main character she's like driving around a bunch of national parks during it so you do get some like cool scenery shots too so that's what i'll say about that speaking of the golden globes you watched i did Mm -hmm, not watch mm -hmm. but this is my time to find out what happened through you (laughs) so uh did did um our favorite movie promising young woman did it win anything no it did not I know. I was sad, too. But I really hope that everybody watches it. I hope that because it was nominated for so much stuff that people maybe who wouldn't have watched it decide to because I just think it's I mean, we've we've talked about it multiple times on the podcast here. It's just so important, uh, the message. But overall, um, the Globes were good all things considered there was a lot of like awkward zoom situations because everyone was like zooming in except for the presenters they were there in person either in new york with tina fey or in la with amy poehler and they like put their images next to each other so it kind of looked like they were in the same room um and i will say i thought they did a really good job and i feel like in order to make that work you really need to know you like need to know the who the other person is and like really be on the same wavelength. So I think they were really good choices for that too. And they totally called out um, the HFPA for like having zero black members out of 87. <laughs> they were like, that's uh, some bullshit. So that was good. And they also called out um, Sia's movie. I don't think we've talked about that. Have you heard about this? Oh, Her movie, yes, music. Because she cast it like a non-autistic she actor and a lot of the Maddie, things were yeah Ziegler and yeah, I, Maddie Ziegler. I, I heard that a lot of this stuff just like wasn't correct or like portrayed yeah. in a, a good way it's very like stereotypical um yeah it's I mean I've seen the trailer a couple of times but I really haven't I have no interest in watching it uh but Every, pretty much like anyone, any groups that ha- that work with people on the autism spectrum have all come out against it, saying that it's like really harmful to, um, the, to like their image. So, yeah, not great. That's un- uh, that's but Tina and Amy called it out, and they were like, "That's not good." So that's that was nice. Um, yeah, I think overall, overall, it was all right but they did they kept doing this thing oh um anya taylor joy from queen's gambit won bt dubs and (gasps) queen's gambit also won for best like limited series like many okay good well good because it was like it is the best i know i know (laughs) 
so good. She was like, she just looked like a mermaid princess alien, um, just gorgeous and beautiful. Um, but everyone was accepting their stuff through Zoom. And so like they had even the, the nominees who didn't win, they still had their like Zooms up during the speech. So you, you could just watch them the whole time instead of like cutting to them in the audience like they normally would. And then every time that they went to a commercial break, whoever the nominees were for the next award, they would like put them in a Zoom together and like make them talk to each other for like 10 seconds before it cut to commercial. And it was the most awkward thing. The only one that wasn't awkward uh, was whichever one Sarah Paulson was in because she just like got, she just like grabbed her dog and then was like, here's my dog. And then uh, what's whoever the actress is that plays Zoe in Zoe's uh, extraordinary playlist. She like grabbed her cat and was like, here's my cat. And I was like, that's what everyone should be doing is just showing each other their pets. <laughs> Cause it's like, totally. what else are you going to talk about? You don't know these people. So yeah, that's kudos true. to those two. And uh, those are my highlights. Okay, cool. Oh, I got something very exciting in the mail and I, I could show you, I could, sh- I probably just going to show you when we stop recording. Perfect. Since nobody listening can hear. But I right. ordered this box from Newly. Okay. Yeah, I've seen their of, Facebook ads. So it's kind of like Stitch Fix, but it, mm-hmm. it's a little different. You actually get to pick the the six things that you get. And they mm-hmm. have stuff from like anthropology and urban and free people and like a bunch of really seven jeans, like a bunch of really good brands. Um, and I've been buying jeans online and getting them mm-hmm. and being like, I hate these. They look bad. Like I have I really also wanna... been struggling with jeans. So. <laughs> so I ordered of the six things that I got, I ordered three pairs of jeans because you have to pay, and it's like a little expensive. You pay eighty dollars to get the six items. Okay. And then, and then you get a deeply discounted price if you buy any of the items out of the box. So I thought this would be the best way for me to get jeans and other clothes and be able to try them on. Mm-hmm. and buy them if I want them and otherwise I can return them. I probably won't do it. I might do it like once or twice more. Um, but I get to wear all of the clothes for a month and then you return the ones that you don't want to buy. So it's kind of nice, like a little wardrobe refresh. Mm-hmm. I don't have a ton of closet space in Denver. So getting know, to like wear I don't know clothes, how I'm going to fit my closet into New York closet. That's going to be... <laughs> A mess. I, I do. I do like that idea, though. Um, just because I feel like there are definitely some things where I bought them, and then you know, three weeks later, I'm like, I've worn it a couple of times, but now I'm not really as into it as I thought. But then, like, you can't return it because you already wore it, so and the tags are off, you know. So, yeah, yeah, and I think it's good, especially because like anthropology is and expensive so if I like I I ordered this I got this dress from anthropology that I was like mm-hmm. oh, I'm not sure if I'll like it or not so this way I can like really like you know feel it out um yeah, take it for a test drive I made caramelized shallot pasta this weekend which I've Yum. told you about before yes yes you have everyone should really make it it's a New York Times I'm serious. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really easy. And it's like a good, like if you're trying to like impress somebody without like. What kind of being, pot, what kind of noodles does it use? You can use any kind of noodles. I usually use regular spaghetti, but when I made it this weekend, I used rigatoni and it was Ooh. very good with rigatoni. Um, but it's just like caramelized shallots, a can of tomato paste, garlic, red pepper flakes, and a can of anchovies and the anchovies dissolve so you don't even know that they're there if you're like thank you for that disclaimer they disappear it's really just like a salt element uh yeah what did you make anything that's cool 
Um, no, I don't really have any like recipes to share, but I do want to share just a quick shout out to um, Gold Leaf, which is like a coffee place here in Indian Lake Sobro. It's on 46th Street. Um, and I got a really yummy wrap from there and also the most amazing iced tea that I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, I think about it literally every day since I've gotten it. It was a strawberry peach mojito iced tea, and it's truly, like, made of dreams. Um, <laughs> so I just, I can't hype it up enough. Um, please go to Gold Leaf and uh, don't, actually don't order the tea because I don't want them to run out. I'm really nervous about it now, so um, I'm probably going to go back this week. Like, it's go, so good. but don't go. <laughs> <laughs> go, but get some. They have, um... I mean, they've got like a million coffee drinks, but uh, they also have like seasonal lattes and stuff that are that look really yummy. So maybe you could get one of those instead of the iced tea because that's actually uh, for me. So, <laughs> but, and the food's <laughs> also really good. Um, I did also want to mention something since we're talking about uh, the indie food scene. Katie and mm-hmm. I, when I lived in Indy, uh, we were both big proponents of the Broader Bowl Farmers Market um, yes. and Tulip Tree Creamery. And sadly, they did have uh, Katie Williams, who is one of their longtime employees. She passed away suddenly. Um, and they are doing a fundraiser. I think she has two small daughters. So they're just trying to get some help for the family. Uh, it's through Facebook. It's the Katie Williams Family Support Fund. And it's K-A-T-Y. Um, so if you're able to give even just a few dollars, I think that would really go a long way. Uh, before we yes. jump into the episode, we wanted to highlight uh, our other small businesses that we've mm-hmm. been doing uh, of our past guests. Yep. So first is Emily Hyde of Studio V. That was like one of my <laughs> favorite episodes. Yeah, that was uh, so fun. She um, does bikini waxing and she has her own studio space in Salon Lofts. Um, and mm-hmm. you can follow her on Instagram at Studio V Waxing. Yeah, and uh, if you go to salonlofts.com, it's just uh, backslash Emily underscore Hyde, H-Y-D-E. You want to find her that way. But that's also, it's on her Instagram too. So you can check it out there. Um, And then our next small business is Just Ride Indie, which is a cycling studio owned by Shana Singster. And uh, that's in downtown Indie. They have been doing uh, rides or like classes uh, during COVID being really safe and they did outdoor stuff and I'm, they're probably going to get back to that, uh, since it's starting to get warmer, thankfully. So if you want to check that out, uh, the website is justrideindy.com, but it's also on Instagram and Facebook. You can just search just ride indie. And finally we have Courtney Sheree of the happy herb tea company. Uh, she makes her own delicious blends of tea. Mm-hmm. She actually sent both Katie and I tea for Christmas, which was so nice. And it's so yummy. It's so good. Um, you can uh, find her on Instagram at Happy Herb Tea Co., I think. And mm-hmm. Facebook is the Happy Herb Tea Company. Yes. I got a like a raspberry lemon verbena tea that was really tasty and then I also ordered um a tea that I forget the name of it but it's like the it's like bliss something basically like a stress Mm. reducing tea and I've had that a lot so uh also also (laughs) good so I'd recommend those ones uh but definitely check her out absolutely uh, and our guest this week is my cousin, Miranda Ooh. Knox. Uh, we had a great interview with her. Um, she's an FX artist and compositor. Um, and Katie and I like got our minds blown. 
Um, yeah, a real a real look back, a real behind the scenes of <laughs> Hollywood films and TV and all that other stuff. So yeah, so enjoy our interview with Miranda. Hello, Katie, and welcome our special guest, Miranda Knox. Thank you so much for joining us, Miranda. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Miranda is a, an FX artist and compositor, and we're so excited to jump into the interview here in a little bit. Uh, but we do have a very special game. Miranda, for those of you that don't know, is my cousin. And I know some things about her. And one of the things that I know about her is that she really likes cats. So I thought it would be fun. Um, I came up with a list of animated, well-known animated cats. And I've coupled them into four groups. So you'll pick the winner of each group. And then we'll do another round and then we'll do the final death match. Okay. So, okay. All right. Like no bracket. cats are being harmed in the making of this right. cat bracket. I just want to be clear for everyone at home. They're fictional cats. Yes. <laughs> Real in our hearts, but mm -hmm. okay. So the first pair is the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland and Garfield. Okay, first, can I ask clarifying questions? Yeah. Okay, book or movie Cheshire Cat? Oh, um, let's do movie. Okay, so then, so is it movie Garfield as well? No, comic Garfield. Okay, comic Garfield, Disney film. Need to clarify for a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, it's important, it's important. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna say, I mean, I feel like the first the first metric is obviously who would win in a fight. And I feel like basically mm -hmm. anybody's gonna win in a fight against Garfield. But fair point. Especially the Cheshire cat, I feel like he has a big advantage with that whole disappearing except for his smile thing. Totally. So I'm gonna have to go for the Cheshire cat, I think. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Sorry, right. Garfield. Okay, next. And I feel like this is a pretty good matchup. Yes, I, I see so. what you did here. All right. Um, <laughs> next is Hobbs of Calvin and Hobbs. Okay. Versus Tigger of Winnie the Pooh. So it's like a tiger battle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a stuffed okay. tiger battle, if I'm being honest, because they're yeah. both stuffed animals. It's true. Well, I mean... I feel like again, I mean, I know, I know that we already talked about this and it's not about who would win in a fight, but I feel like that's always my first instinct when that can comparing play a role. Yeah. Sure. This is this is my first metric, I guess, in comparing any two things <laughs> is what would win in a fight. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, Tigger, he has, you know, more um more athletic ability, I feel like, that we've seen. I mean, I don't want to, you can hear my, my real cat freaking out in the background. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, it, it, so I guess I have to go with Tigger because to be honest, maybe this makes me a bad cat expert, but I'm, I, I'm not big on Calvin and Hobbes lore. So mm. I feel like from what I do know, um, I got to go with Tigger. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> the next pairing, a little untraditional, Hat in the Hat from the books, not the animated version. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hat in the Hat versus Simba from the original Lion King movie. So adult Kimba, Simba or kid Simba? I would say adult Simba. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's more fair because the Cat in the Hat is an adult. Yeah, as okay, far as we right. know. <laughs> as far as we know, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, 
you know, Simba, he has a lot of, um, he has a lot of adversity and we know that that builds character. Um, Cat in the Hat, I mean, I feel like if it's going to be a fair matchup, he's got to leave his hat at home. And that's, that's basically all of his, all of his stuff comes out of the hat, right? So his whole yeah. identity, Cat yeah. in the Hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, you can't have one one cat bringing you know something that the other cat can't bring to the to the matchup that's not necessarily a fight Mm -hmm. um so i guess i'm gonna have to say i think i think simba adult simba would win if it were kid simba it would be a whole other thing (laughs) oh okay okay and then the final pair of the first round is hello kitty versus Felix the cat. And Felix is like old school cartoon cat vibes, I think. Right. Well, we, we already know from Hello Kitty that she has a cat. I don't know if you know that, but she has a cat. So she's already demonstrated her ability to control other cats in a fight. Wow, so- yeah, that's pretty good evidence. So based on that, I'm going to go with Hello Kitty. Okay, that's a good call, I think. And we need like some fe- female energy in mm-hmm. this for sure. Yeah, Where one of my favorite cats is Marie cats? from Aristocats. Anyone oh, with yeah. Marie? The yeah. Yes, she's fantastic. Yeah. Big fan. Okay, so round two is the Cheshire Cat versus Tigger. That's a pretty even matchup. I feel like they both have their special skills. Um, It's difficult because I feel like in terms of like magic powers or special skills or whatever, it would be, it's gotta be Tigger. I mean, he would just dominate in any kind of physical altercation, I feel like, but if we look, you know, we're in the second round. So I feel like we have to think more holistically about these cat <laughs> matchups. Mm-hmm. You're right. And if we think about, you know, a battle of wits, I feel like the Cheshire cats definitely, you know, gotta have it. Um, so I think if we're thinking about beyond the physical fight aspect, I think I've gotta go with the Cheshire cat. Okay. Okay. Cheshire Cat advances. All right. And then the second uh, match of the second round is Simba versus Hello Kitty. Yeah, I I think I have to go with Hello Kitty again. I mean, that's that's not really a hard question for me. (laughs) She has a job, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I guess Simba has a job too, which is like being the king. But, you know, the bird guy probably does most of the like actual work for that whereas I feel like Hello Kitty she I feel like she goes to an office I might be wrong about that but I think (laughs) practical energy is key and Simba's job that's like mostly nepotism so yes (laughs) okay so Hello Kitty versus Cheshire Cat for the for all the fake marbles okay and I just want to say that I'm I'm really honored that you came up with this for for my for my special game. I really feel like this is where where I shine is in determining these matchups. Like I didn't know until we started, but this is this is the determination is I was born to make. Good. I. Well, so we had we had the physical fight in the first round, and we had the battle of wits in the second round. We just have to be going for like charisma. I feel like in the third round, and they both bring different things to the table. Very different energies, yeah. You got your you got your cryptic, spooky charisma from the the Cheshire Cat, and then you have your you know, maybe Hello Kitty actually doesn't have any charisma and I'm just being blinded by all the clothes and I don't know, she has a lot of folders. 
Yes. She's very organized. She's very organized. And, and I mean, if you think about like the franchise, if that's part of if that's that's part of our determination, I feel like Hello Kitty has more, you know, she's definitely got more money than the Cheshire Cat, for sure. Oh yeah. Um, I don't even know if money like exists in Wonderland, you know? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so maybe that's so maybe that's not a fair, a fair metric because the Cheshire Cat's not trying to play into the capitalist system the way the Hello Kitty is. This is a tough question, but I feel like I've got to go with the Cheshire Cat. I feel like he's got the most, I feel like he's got the most going for him. Um, the disappearing thing really puts him over the top, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Totally. I would agree. I think he, he, it makes sense. So thanks, Miranda. Thanks for clearing that up. I feel like everyone is so relieved that they have that answer now, right? Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Also, I did just look up Hello Kitty because I was curious about her jobs and I haven't found any information on that, but um, she has a little like bio on the Hello Kitty website and this is what her bio says. It says Hello Kitty was born in the suburbs of London. She lives with her parents and her twin sister, Mimi, who is her best friend. Her hobbies include baking cookies and making new friends. As she always says, you can never have too many friends. So I don't know that she does have a job. <laughs> I had no idea that she was from London. That's so interesting. Yeah, literally all of that information was surprising to me. <laughs> yes, I. that's why I felt like it needed to be shared. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, so. That was uh, a <laughs> Okay, so to get into the interview portion of our um, interview, <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> um, we always start with the same question, which is, what did you want to be when you grew up, and what do you do now? Uh, well, I, um, I always like to draw and stuff um, ever since I was a kid. And ever since I heard somebody say cartoonist, I always, um, I guess I always kind of wanted to be that. Like I always liked cartoons and animated stuff. And um, I always liked, you know, watching TV and like trying to draw in the same style as the cartoons that I was watching and stuff. And um, I actually kind of carried that idea through pretty far like into college I applied to do traditional animation is initially what I went to college for um and I did that for a semester and I realized that I don't have the right temperament to be one of those because it involves a lot of drawing the same thing over and over again consistently um and that's um excuse me don't do that Sorry, it's a real it's a real cat trying to get into a bracket. It's like here. where do yeah, where do I fit in in the bracket? <laughs> yeah. Um and uh through a series of like sort of less than fully informed decisions, I sort of ended up making a transfer from the traditional animation department to the computer animation department um at the school I was at. And um, I really liked the technical side of it, like working um, working with the software and, and everything. Um, and I was still thinking that I wanted to be an animator, but as I was getting sort of more into um, the schooling, I was learning like about all the different disciplines that sort of fall under that um, CG umbrella. And I was thinking that I wanted to, while I was at, um, School of Visual Arts, where I went for two years, um, I started doing uh, compositing, which is like when you are bringing together, for example, if you think about Jurassic Park, you have your CG dinosaurs and you have your uh, filmed, uh, you know, plates um, with the, the live action that they filmed on set. And what a compositor does is they bring those together in a convincing way. Um, so it's all about kind of, you know, 
bringing a lot of pieces together to make a cohesive, normally we're trying to go for believable, realistic, I mean, it depends what it is. Um, and so that was sort of the energy that I was going into um, when I dropped out of art school to go to trade school for visual effects. I was thinking that I wanted to be a compositor, um, not really realizing that the school that I went to didn't have that as like a, you know, they didn't call them majors, but as like a concentration that you could have. And their visual effects department was more focused on uh, what we call FX, which is like fire, smoke, explosions, anything that's not a character or a set piece, you know, um, often you're simulating it with a computer. And when I started getting into that, you know, um, I really liked it. And I have gotten really into like the more techie side of things, um, which brings me to what I do now, which is I market myself as an effects artist and a compositor. So I do a little bit of both. Um, lately at my current gig, I've been sort of developing this experimental project, trying to make a trailer for a movie using a game engine. So um, trying to, you know, basically all I do all day is solve impossible problems with technology by Googling things. <laughs> Perfect. In a nutshell. <laughs> In a nutshell. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Okay. I have like multiple questions now just about this project that you're currently working on, but just to get like really basic for a second, um, what is the difference or like, is there a difference between like, so we have FX and then there's like effects and then like CGI, like, are they kind of interchangeable or not really? I just want to, before yeah. we get too far into questions, I feel like I should establish yeah. this. Yeah. So um, when you hear people talking about special effects and visual effects, not the same thing. A special effect is something that you do on set. Like if you make something explode or you set something on fire and then you film it with a camera, that's a special effect. Whereas if you don't have the money and the right type of insurance to do that on set, and you send it out to a visual effects artist to do, that's a visual effect. So okay. VFX is sort of like the big umbrella for all of these different things that, I guess it, it mostly covers like things that you do in the computer to enhance um, a film usually. Uh, so like, you know, if you shot something on a green screen and then you need to composite that back into another thing, put somebody's face on a TV or whatever, that's a visual effect. Or um, if you have an explosion, like I, like I said, that's a visual effect. Or um, I'm just trying to think of other things that are commonly, anything, anything that's um, made in a computer is computer generated, which is CG. So CGI is computer generated imagery. And that can refer to a lot of different things. Anything that comes out of a computer falls under the CG umbrella. Okay, um, that's very helpful. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, one of the other th reasons why I love visual effects is because I'm obsessed with shop talk. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, a good, it's a good niche for me because I love talking in jargon that <laughs> fun um so i i'm just wondering obviously you know things are a little bit different right now with like covid there's more flexibility like where you're working from i know you live in los angeles previously lived in new york do you feel like living in los angeles or or new york um is like a must-have if you're interested in wanting to go into this type of job? Well, I think that, um, well, first of all, I think that nowadays the central hub for visual effects used to be LA, Hollywood. I feel like in the last 10 years, the main central hub is in London. Um, so most of the big movies uh, send out things to studios that are located in London. I mean, one thing that's interesting about um, visual effects as an industry is that even before COVID, it was very global. 
you're often like a lot of bigger studios that you um, work at will have different studios in different countries. And so, you know, certain places, not anywhere that I've worked personally, but certain places like your supervisor is in Australia. So you get your stuff done and then your supervisor comes in like in the last hour of your, you know, your shift and they're just starting their day and they look over your stuff and you get your notes and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like with any entertainment um, job, the most important thing, unfortunately, or fortunately is kind of who you know, um, because you know there's so much money that goes into making any kind of a film or a TV show that everybody's really concerned with, you know, bringing somebody onto their team that's, that's proven. Um, and especially what I do, there's a lot of technical knowledge um, that goes into it. So you can end up losing a lot of money if somebody misrepresents their skill set, basically. Um, but I mean, I've gotten a lot of opportunities through my school, um, which was Noman, Noman School of Visual Effects and Games. So uh, for me, those connections um, have been what make up most of my professional network. Um, so if I left Los Angeles, I would be kind of at square one with everybody else. Sure. So is that like, I guess, a typical path then? It's like you go to school for this, you get your degree in this, and then are there, is it like internships or do you get hired by a studio then? Or is it like firms? I don't know. I don't know. It, um, <laughs> it, it really depends on, on what you want to do. Um, there's, you know, work in television, there's work in animation, there's work in movies, and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of really different types of studios that you can work for. So there's smaller like boutique shops where, you know, they hire, usually they have like a core team and well, one thing is, is that it's, it's very difficult when you have a really specific, specific skill set in visual effects, mm -hmm. you often end up sort of relegated to this freelancer pool because not every episode of a TV show that you're working on is gonna have an explosion in it. So when you need that type of person, you hire them on for a couple of months and then you know their booking ends and they move on to somewhere else. Um, whereas, you know, certain other disciplines like compositing, which I do sometimes, you know, often everything needs to be composited. So that type of job tends to be a little bit more stable, um, some more kind of like uh, opportunities to be staff, like beyond that core team. Um, but it, it can really, really vary depending on, you know, what kind of um, stuff you want to do. There are some internships like it, like Disney does internships or like, you know, if you want to work for Sony or Framestore or ILM, like they do a lot of internships, you know, um, but that's more like very established um, uh, big studios. My first job actually was an internship um, with an uh, ad agency or it wasn't an ad agency, but it was a, a studio that, that does a lot of ads. Um, but I know that for me, I've been freelance. Um, so I've worked at about eight different studios in two years. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what other people do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so as far as like when you're actually working on a project, what's the like amount of like creative control or input that you have? Is it sort of like somebody's like, I need this to explode and you need to figure out how to do it and you just like have free reign or it's more structured or how does that work? Yeah, um, it's it's another thing that's that's really different depending on mostly whether you work at a large studio or whether you work in a small studio. Um, for example, I, I did a job doing TV a couple of years ago and that was like, okay, we need you to do these teleports for Charmed we have this file, you just open it up and you plug in the assets that are needed for this shot and you just run the sim and then it's done. And so for something like that, you know, I'm basically just a technician kind of doing plug and play. Whereas um, with this project that I'm working on now, because it's sort of this more specific experimental thing, 
And because my boss has other projects that he works on, um, a lot of the creative decisions end up sort of falling on me just because I, um, I'm the person that's sort of hands-on with the project every day. But um, if you work for a larger studio, you often sort of end up doing these very granular tasks that have a very um, set way that they get done. Um, but for a lot of visual effects stuff, you know, there's there's no prescribed way of doing anything. So, you know, visual effects artists are often trying to find a creative, less expensive, quicker, you know, works with our computers kind of a solution for things. Um, and one thing that I like to do is I do some music videos and short films and stuff on the side. Um, and in those, I get to have total creative control, um, which is a nice change from, you know, doing little tasks um, all day at work sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you prefer like live action stuff or more animated stuff or I don't know if there's much of a difference? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I mostly do work with live action. Like most of my work has been in ads and TV. Um, but I, I did a stint with DreamWorks Animation last year um, doing a TV show um, that they do. And, and that's very interesting because you're not dealing with all these variables of having like a plate that was shot. So like a very common thing that happens in visual effects is like we shot this plate and there's a guy like an extra you can see him off in the corner so you need to paint him out or whatever whereas with animation everything that you get is fully intentional so um you have you know all the layers that you need um, and you can adjust the lighting, you can adjust the shadows, and you can really have full control over the way that the image looks. Um, so it's just different. I mean, I think that my interest tends to be more in live action. Um, but then again, I mean, doing this stuff with the game engine is also has been really, really interesting. So um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I think that I, I'm more identified with like movies and TV rather than animation as an adult. So that tends to be what I'm more drawn towards working on, I guess. Yeah. What, uh, can you talk a little bit more about this project that you're working on right now? I don't know if it's like top secret or anything, but <laughs> it just sounds really interesting. And yeah, mostly wanting to know what- <laughs> What's the game engine? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. What is a plate? Is that like a shot? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. so if you get a piece of live action footage and you have to composite something onto it, we call it a plate. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so there's this really interesting thing that's happening in the visual effects world right now where the technology for game engines has advanced to the point where we can use it for movies and TV, basically, is the simple way to explain it. And the benefits of doing that are that, so in a traditional CG pipeline, you have your plate and you have all of your effects and you bring everything together and you have all of these layers basically that you end up with and then you have to render it out to uh, get the final product that you would give to the studio to broadcast or whatever. And um, so that rendering process of, you know, getting the final video flattened out or whatever takes a lot of time, especially for like, if you think about visuals like you get in a Marvel movie or like, you know, James Cameron's Avatar or whatever. Avatar took weeks just to render those final images. And, you know, that's very expensive. It requires very um, beefy computers to do. Um, whereas in games, everything, you know, if you think of, um, a game is basically you can play a movie that you can play at 60 frames per second. So it's all optimized in a way that you sort of bypass that rendering aspect. So you can have a lot more um, immediacy with creative decisions and um, 
you can like one thing that's that's being that's sort of changed the way that everybody thinks about game engines is the Mandalorian, um, where instead of using green screen, what they do is they have these gigantic um, LCD screens on the set, and they basically have the camera that they shoot on is uh, connected to the game engine. So when you move the camera, it moves exactly um, aligned with the game engine. And so when you're moving the camera around like a guy on a motorcycle or a hover thing or whatever, I don't know, I don't do Star Wars, but um, it'll move exactly in alignment with the camera. So instead of having to shoot somebody in front of a green screen and then um, composite them in front of this CG environment, you get a very responsive um, kind of a thing. And, and that allows the director to, you know, he can put on a virtual reality headset and he can look at the um, background that's going to be behind the actor and he can say, okay, I like this. I think you should move that rock over here. I'd like the sun to be more like over here. Um, and so that's really changed the way that a lot of people think about um, this technology and uh, think about making TV. Um, and that's all called uh, virtual production is sort of like blending game engine stuff with uh, more filmed stuff. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, I think so. That's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like, you know, everyone's like, oh, movie magic. Like, yeah, but there is so much that goes into it behind the scenes that you don't even think about. Well, us as like normal you know, plebeians or whatever. Yeah, as, as people who can watch a, watch TV and actually enjoy it without being like, oh, that's a terrible green screen. I wonder. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. What a, that's a, not a great side can effect. You like tell, can you like tell oh. us any that you really, <laughs> that really bother you? Well, yeah. oh. you want to like give us like hints? <laughs> you oh. can tell us when we stop recording if you want. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to get me in trouble to say because it's a 20 year old show, but um, my friend, who's also a visual effects artist and I have been watching that 70s show. Oh um, yeah. On, on Blu-ray. And um, I'll say, I'll say up top problematic fave. Definitely. Um, yeah. But uh, the green screen in the second season um like the opening titles is some of the worst you will see out there. So if you want to know what I'm talking about when I say a bad green screen, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I feel like like when people are driving in cars, that's when it is often really noticeable, especially yeah. on like older sitcoms. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not really fair to them because TVs were so much less good. Sure. They yeah. The show. So it's not really their fault that it, it looks bad on our TV. Um, but yeah, cars are always a problem because it's like very expensive to even, you know, the way that a movie would do it is like you put a car on a flatbed truck, basically. Um, and then you shoot into the car with your actors in it. So you get like the real life sky without them having to drive the car. Um, movie magic. It's pretty expensive to to do that, so they often end up shooting it on a green screen. And the big problem usually is that they have the screens too close to the actors, so you get a bunch of green light spilling onto their face. Um, and then when you key out the green, you key out that you know I'm pointing at my face like the listeners can can see. they can um, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> anything that's green gets keyed out so you end up with you know see-through areas on people's faces and in people's clothes and um somebody has to fix that <laughs> wow yeah i that's so interesting yeah i definitely noticed that about cars too so i'm glad that you said something yeah um uh okay so for anybody that's listening to this episode and they're like, man, that Miranda girl, like her job sounds so cool. What would you recommend someone who's maybe like interested in this, like things that they can check out or like, yeah. do you think you need to be like, have a background in art in order to like do what you do? Just like some info. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a really cool thing that's happening in, in 2021 is that a lot of these technologies have been democratized in a way that they haven't been historically. Like the game engine that I work in for work is free. So Unreal Engine, for anybody that's interested, is free. So you can download it on your computer and you can watch a bunch of tutorials. And, you know, if, if you're the sort of person who can really sit down and be disciplined and absorb that sort of thing, you can learn everything that I learned in school, basically. Um, and it's the same, you know, Blender is a free 3D package that's free for everybody. It's free for professionals. It's free for studios. It's free for personal use. And there's a lot of amazing tutorials out there on YouTube um, that can teach you pretty much anything that you'd want to know um, in visual effects. And it's just like in the last few years that that's really started happening where they've started to make these things available to people for free. Um, and especially Unreal Engine is so exciting because anybody can download it and there isn't this like, you know, you don't have to have millions of dollars to make a project in Unreal or in Blender. You just have to, you know, watch a bunch of tutorials, basically. Um, I, you know, art school, traditional four-year college really wasn't for me. Um, and I think that a lot of people who go into these sort of I don't want to say cutting edge because visual effects has been around for 40 years, but you know, it's still sort of a small, like specific niche industry. And I think that a lot of people find that, you know, um, the schools don't always teach you what it, what people are currently doing. So I would say, you know, if you can just watch a bunch of tutorials and just experiment and you know, watch other people's reels and watch visual effects that, you know, you find inspiring and try to recreate that. Um, I think that that's, that's possible for anybody to do, um, which, which is so, so exciting and so cool. Like everything that I do at work, I'm just watching YouTube videos to figure out how to do it, literally. So. Um, I think there are secretly a lot of jobs where that yeah. is the case and just no one wants to tell yeah. anyone. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, really? You always know like how to fix that. And I'm like, well, I just Googled it. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> University of YouTube. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, you kind of mentioned like as some advice for people to watch visual effects that they find, you know, really good or inspiring. Do you have any stuff like that for yourself? Like any movies or TV shows or commercials where you're like, oh my gosh, that was so good. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of any, any TV show that you watch, even if you don't think that it has visual effects in it, I guarantee you that it does, first of all. So one thing that was really interesting for me to see, um, I don't know if, did either of you guys watch Mindhunter? Yeah. On Netflix? Yeah, there's um, a VFX breakdown for the first season of Mindhunter. Um, and it shows, and you wouldn't think of that show as having visual effects in it. Yeah. But, um, you watch that, that um, break, so like any show that you like, just look up VFX breakdown and you might be interested to see what you find. Ooh, fun. For Mindhunter specifically, one of the things that they did was um, ADA compliant curbs were not a thing back then. So like oh. whenever you see a street, there was somebody that went through and made the curbs non-ADA compliant, basically. So moved everybody's feet up two inches and like made the curb not have a dip in it for wheelchairs, basically. That's one of the things that they did. And that stuff always blows my mind. I didn't um, even think about that for, yeah, for any like historical, like a period drama, anything like that, they probably have to... Do yeah, a lot of that any, stuff. any period show that you watch, um, the VFX breakdowns for those are always really interesting because they're doing things like, you know, they got to paint out modern cars that are on the road mm -hmm. or they have to deal with, you know, uh, telephone lines or things sure. like that. As far as like, uh, you know, a movie with like, that you'd think of more for visual effects. Um, I really liked um, uh, the movie I really like horror movies. Um, uh, one one that I saw, well, uh, Midsummer has some amazing visual effects in it. 
um, really like, you know, Maybe. subtle, but Aurelia and I will not have seen any of the movies that you're about to say, but, <laughs> but did, I thought Midsummer, like, didn't it get nominated for some kind of visual thing? Maybe like cinematography or something. Yeah. Um, I just know because my boyfriend like brings up that movie maybe once a week. He loved it so much or was so disturbed by it or is maybe nervous about something. I don't know, but. Yeah, that, that movie has some amazing visual effects in it. Um, I mean, like everybody, I haven't been to the movies in a year, so I'm right. to, <laughs> um, bringing, bringing them to mind. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say, you know, if you want to have your mind blown, look up any show that you like and and look for the visual effects breakdowns because it's really amazing to see what they do that you know stuff that you don't even think about that that makes the experience you know really immersive for people yeah cool i'll definitely do that i feel like i have like a quarantine hobby now yeah yeah, Thanks, just, yeah just totally break your immersion for any show that you like and <laughs> you know, peek behind the curtain a little bit. Um, the VFX breakdown for Queen's Gambit is also very good. Oh, oh I love, bet. I, yeah, we yeah. loved Queen's Gambit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking for both of us. I told Katie she needed to watch it. Yeah, so. and I did. I did watch it. <laughs> There's some great VFX in that show. And not just the like chess pieces on the ceiling stuff, mm -hmm. although that was really cool and it could have looked really dumb, but they did. They did it in a way that I felt like was, you know, I was so impressed uh, to see that because it's like kind of a dumb sounding effect when you describe it, but um, very evocative and, you know, um, really, really fit in with the story. Yeah, cool. We're, we're big fans. Miranda, thank you so much for joining us. My mind has truly been blown. I feel like <laughs> and this so is just much. the beginning. And this was so cool. Like, what a cool thing that you do. Um, so I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I hope it was, um, you know, that there was something that um, people can be entertained by uh, in it, somewhere in all okay, the... We had the cat bracket. We're okay. like, good. Right. That was the really important thing. That we yeah. About. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Interested in being a guest? Send us an email at girlsjustwannapod at gmail.com. We love, we love you. you. Bye. Bye.